When I went on my own, this was about 2010, 2009. It was much more expensive and much more difficult than it is now. Just because you're a solo practitioner doesn't mean you have to be alone. If you ask those at Justice HQ, they'll tell you collaboration is key. So fast forward to 2020, when we opened our first doors of Justice HQ in downtown LA, it was a thought process of let's eliminate all the bullshit that the lawyers have to deal with, give a mentorship path, access to cases, help them with their media to get more cases, teach them to be specialists in their space and do it as one big collective. You're listening to Personal Injury Mastermind, the show where elite personal injury attorneys and leading edge marketers give you exclusive access to growth strategies for your firm. Bob Simon is one hell of a success story. Having started his own practice just three years out of law school, he now runs the ever-growing Simon Law Group and has won his clients over $100 million. On his journey to success though, Bob saw several issues in the legal world that he was determined to address. And so, set on modernizing the industry and bulldozing the barriers to entry for small firms and solo practitioners, Bob co-founded Justice HQ, which provides all the resources needed to scale a practice. Bob and I discussed a whole range of topics in this chat, from the shortcomings of law school to the creation of Bob's podcast series, Bourbon Approof. I'm your host, Chris Stryer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with search engine optimization. An important first step for any lawyer is to really understand the people around them. So let's get to know our guest. Here's Bob Simon, owner of the Simon Law Group and co-founder of Justice HQ. So I first decided to become a lawyer. This was back in the early 90s. I was born in 80. I'm still an 80s baby. My dad's uncle, who is really his age, because my we're a big Irish Catholic family. So my grandma's one of 12. She's one of the oldest. He's one of the youngest. It was my dad's same age, but he was his uncle, whatever. We're all good friends with him and his his kids, which were my cousins, second cousin, whatever. But he was hit by a drunk driver, paralyzed. And we were all, you know, working blue-class families. And to see somebody that was catastrophically injured and they're trying to blame him, all this crazy bullshit. Um, I saw his lawyer fight for him. They ended up settling that trial, settling it midway through trial. And they were able to set up his family with, you know, dignity, respect, that he was able to have some quality of life, right? And, and provide for his family. And my cousins were able to, you know, get trust set up for them so that they can go off to college. And it was just, just eye-opening to see what happens whenever you hurt somebody catastrophically that's the breadwinner in the family and how it can affect everybody, not just your intermediate family, but everybody around you. So, you know, I've always wanted to fight for the little man, little woman, little people. And that was it that started my journey. So after that, I was like, fuck it, man, I'm going to go to I always eventually wanted to do politics. People laugh at me, but whatever. Um, want to go to D.C., learn how to be a, a lawyer, get into trial practice, help injured victims. And then eventually when I don't have to be holding to anybody and have enough financial security, I will become president of the United States. But that's a very lofty goal. We'll discuss that later. I love it. We'll have to boost this so it's at the top, you know, when you're running for president. You know, that story, that's that's such a powerful story and it really imprints on, you know, emotionally. And I've always heard the opposite, like, Hey, you know, someone worked with an attorney and, you know, they weren't giving it their full effort and maybe they just didn't represent the family members or the parties as best as they could. But you kind of, did you kind of have the opposite experience? You actually had a really good advocate. Yeah. A hundred percent, the opposite experience and growing up, 
the only lawyer that we really knew was a lawyer on TV. It's this guy called Edgar Schneider. He's still around, man. He's still doing all the PI commercials in Pittsburgh. He said, I don't get money unless I get money for you, right? So people take for granted that as a lawyer, being our lawyer spaces, that we all know a lawyer, right? It, it's not true, though. Most people just do not. Like growing up, we did not. I remember the first lawyer I ever physically met. I like put his business card in my pocket, and I was like, dude, I'll call this guy for anything. I didn't even know what the fuck he did. But I, having that good experience initially with that lawyer, I think, changed the trajectory. If, you know, if there's a bad experience, maybe it might have been a little different. Um, or maybe if it was a bad experience, I said, well, I'm going to be a better lawyer because that was such a bad experience. My next question you're kind of leaning into a little bit, you're, you're leading me to it is, and I know you're super passionate about this. And I saw, I think I saw a TikTok video on it. You're like, law school doesn't prepare you to like go out to the business world. You know, so what are some of those things that, that law school just doesn't prepare attorneys for uh, in, in real life? Look, I learned a crap load in law school. I remember going to law school the first first semester and be like, dude, I learned more than I did all of college and high school, right? But they teach you the the basics and a lot of things that you'll never use. I mean, like trigonometry or calculus in high school, like we don't rarely ever use that, but you know, it's good. It gets your brain thinking a different way, but they do not teach you. I think that law school could be the first year as it is, all the basics, get all your brain moving the right way. And then after that, it should be apprenticeship. It should be preparing you just to pass the bar. And that should be it, learning how to practice, learning how to actually get out there and do watching by observation, learning to run your own practice, having business school type atmosphere where you can learn, look, if I want to start my own firm, here's what you got to do, finding a mentor. But I actually think law school is way too freaking expensive. I mean, it put me in a big financial debt going out and it kind of makes you not go where what you're passionate about doing. If you wanted to go into just a civic service into helping indigent people that doesn't pay a lot, right? You can't really do that if you're carrying 150, 200 K in, in law school debt. So I, I honestly believe Chris, and this is a wild concept. I think law school should be free. I think there's a lot of people out there that are willing to give up their time. People like me and others that can teach even online classes, help you pass the baby bar. Like here in California, you don't have to take the bar. I mean, you don't have to go to a college or even a law school. You can take the baby bar, have an apprenticeship. And I think that is the best path right out the gate to be a, a great lawyer, to really help people because you understand how to, how to do things. And it gives everybody the opportunity, regardless of your financial status, to be able to do it. Then you have a network coming in. If you have all your quote-unquote professors and these, your classmates that are the same type of person that have the same type of drive, I think it just changes the trajectory. But yeah, man, that's my wild thought for the day. I'll say I, I had Patricia Raffoe on and I was asking her questions about, you know, so so kind of what I'm hearing is, are you like, are you on the advocate side of like, you know, in Arizona and I think Utah, it's like, hey, you don't have to go to law school or are you saying to become an attorney, then you get like venture capital in or you're saying, hey, go to law school, <laughs> but let's change up the game. I think go to law school, change the game or change the game that you're in law school. I think that is very dangerous to have folks that are, not trained lawyers or have that apprenticeship or that qualifications or to pass a bar, right, to be able to advocate for clients. Now, look, you can, in limited fashions, I think it's okay. And look, I'm a huge, huge fan of technology and having it must be embraced into our practices because it cuts the overhead significantly for lawyers, which that means it doesn't bleed onto clients. Um, it can be way more efficient. You could handle more. You can you could do a lot more for your clients. So I'm a big believer in technology. I think that there should be a perfect marriage between the tech and BC world and still having the attorneys do all the legal work and be the real advocates. 
but I, I do think that we should embrace it. And I think it will fit the hole in the market. And my opinion of, you know, right now, the lawyers that people are seeing that consumers are not the best lawyers, and they're advertising themselves as having all of these credentials. And I'm the best of the best. I'm the best trial lawyer of all these results. And then it's not even fucking true. Like they ended up just being middleman or sending those cases out and just run it like a, like a chop shop. Right. So there may be a way if you can figure it out with, with big tech and the VCs and such for them to be able to be ethical and advertising and what's going to happen. And then to have the real lawyers that are the best in their spaces, the specialists in their spaces work on them. So, um, and that's kind of the vision of how I started this journey with Justice HQ, the concept maybe three years ago, two years ago, with kind of that in mind is, I think that these solo specialists and small firms are going to be the ones that win the day. I think they'll win the battle over the big firms because they're just going to be, they'll be irrelevant. Technology will evaporate them. But yeah, that's it in a nutshell. In March of 2020, Bob, his brother Brad, and their marketing director, Teresa Deep, launched Justice HQ, providing both a virtual and physical community in which small firms and solo practitioners could share resources, advice, and cases. I asked Bob how his own experiences shaped his decision to form Justice HQ. When I started my own firm, I was about three years out of law school, saved enough money, not a ton of money, tried a couple cases, and it was just that, you know, well, fuck it moment. Like, who cares? What's the worst thing that could fail? You go back to work for another firm, who cares? But I always had the ambition. I don't like being told what to do or like working for myself, blah, 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 blah. But when I went out on my own, this was about 2010, 2009, it was much more expensive and much more difficult than it is now. So, you know, I had to lease an office that was like 1700 bucks a month, LA's expensive. And it was a single office. And it was me. I hired my little brother out of college. We had a copier scanner in my office and that copier scanner plus that office space alone was like two grand a month, right? Factoring all the other stuff, like I was probably paying three to 4,000 a month just into like base overhead before you were talking about profitability and such. And it weighs you down, you know, and half our day was scanning the mail. I was being, I believe in paperless back then, scanning it, naming it, put it where it needs to go, having it into systems. It was just so archaic and it took so much time. So fast forward to 2020 when we opened our first doors of Justice HQ in downtown LA, uh, now scaling quickly, but it was a thought process of let's eliminate all the bullshit that the lawyers have to deal with, give a mentorship path, access to cases, help them with their media to get more cases, teach them to be specialists in their space and do it as one big collective. However, everybody's independent. So every member of Justice HQ has their own firm, a part of a firm. We have premier members like mine. There's about four of us that pay a lot of money to be members of the club. Uh, but we get about 10 memberships and other benefits. So that takes care of like firms like mine now are ones that are sending in a lot of cases through a case exchange to the members that are outsourcing work either on cases or outright of a case that comes in. Some of the members that are that are there are do a generate a lot of business and like to refer it out for a percentage. Just HQ exchange makes it really easy to do that. So the concept was born, hey, what product would I have needed 10 years ago? that would have accelerated my career exponentially, give me a quality of life, be able to stay home and practice most of the time. And then that's what we created. If all the lawyers are, look for a base membership of 700 a month, right? It solves our office-based solution. All members get 24 seven access to all of our spaces. Their media solution, we do all of their 
you know, media headshots, help with their social media, do all their plugs, teach them how to brand themselves, teach them how to use, you know, here's the company used for SEO. This is how other people do it. This is how to set up your website to maximize it. This is how you write blogs. Has your mentorship. We have all the big trial lawyers like myself, Arsh Bonaport, Gary Dordick, Chris Dolan. Like these are all people that are part of this community that are on virtual chat rooms and live in the spaces to help the mentorship process. Um, and they're, you know, it's all consumer advocates. You have to be vetted and approved to get in. We have a membership committee. Every member has to approve somebody that comes in. So it's hard to get into the organization. Again, we want those specialists in their spaces. So probably 50, 60% or so those are people under five total in their firm counting all employees. And it helps them really succeed because they're, we do their mail scan and sort for them. So all of their mail gets scanned, OCR, send a mail lead into their platform. If they have a case management platform, if they have Dropbox or Outlook, it goes directly there. Big time saver. We have all these vendor relationships that people get discounts, get taught how to use technology. We have people that are, are experts in building your business, like sit down with this person and talk about how your business can be more efficient, how you can outsource naming the mail or whatever the, whatever the fuck you want to do, right? So it gives a path. And it's also fun, dude. There's like a lot of like-minded progressive lawyers that are in the same physical space and also the big umbrella of the virtual spaces. I mean, we have members that are out of state that don't use any of the physical spaces whatsoever and are more than happy to pay the membership fee because it helps accelerate their career. They get case referrals from it. They can help them with their media, their notoriety. You know, it's just an exponential push. So now it's the point where we can't get the spaces up fast enough. We can't scale for the membership fast enough. It's a good champagne problem to have, but I do think it'll correct to this societal problem in the legal world that thinks that one, you need an old stuffy lawyer to be your lawyer, two, that you think you have to go to a big firm in order to succeed. Right now, you're, you're given the tools of a big a la carte law firm. Like we have specialists that all they do is one emotion, right? So like you get on them, you know, we're on chats with all of them. Sometimes they'll do it for free. Sometimes they'll do it for a small percentage of the fee. You know, I've seen pleadings where there's 10 different solos that are on the pleading for the plaintiff side, just splitting up the work, sharing the costs and just being in their specialist space to annihilate. And now you're outgunning the biggest firms in the world. That's where we are. I mean, that's the big vision. So, um, I mean, it's been way more successful than we had ever thought when we opened our first doors, March of 2020 during a pandemic. <laughs> I think that this is brilliant, first of all. And in the legal vertical, you have kind of this fractured environment. And you don't get economies of scale like you do in other industries. And the model kind of reminds me a little bit of a couple. So, you know, walk-up advertising, they... They pool ad spend so that they get the economies of scale for lower cost per acquisition for Google ads. And then you've got uh, law tigers, right? They, they have the one law tiger website. They can pull in and everybody gets those referrals. Um, not to mention just all the operating costs. Super, super smart. I wish I was an attorney because that's right up my uh, alley. But uh, let's talk about that. So, you know, how is you kind of answered my question about the space, but I, but I wanted to ask, um, you know, in terms of like a couple channels, right? So I'm an SEO guy. And when I hear remote, love remote, love the low cost, you know, I love, you know, kind of the shared we work or the virtual spaces, but then you got things like, you know, Google maps or local service ads. So is it one of those things that you kind of defer those channels at the start until you kind of get some success and then go look for the brick and mortar to kind of jump into those types of yeah, opportunities? Yeah. And it's where the brick and mortar ends up being the least valuable part of a lot of people's memberships. I mean, some of the people out the gate, 
those new lawyers that are in their own practice, they might be there every day. Lawyers like me might be in them a couple of times a month just to, for events or mentorship or to take meetings or do mediation. So most of them are the conference room heavy, a lot of private offices, all of them have a lot of tech into it. So you can legit open the doors from your phone, reserve it from your app, reserve any room, invite guests from there. So, you know, it's all automated, right? There's monitors in there so you can plug it. Like I go in there, just plug in my Surface Pro. That's all, I just operate my entire firm on a Surface Pro. Plug it into these monitors when I walk in and go. Like my entire firm, people don't know this, Simon Locker, I have 22 lawyers in-house. We have maybe 60 other staff. We're completely virtual. And it surprises a lot of people. And it's like, guys, like, when do we ever really need to meet a client? I either meet them in their home, which I like to do because I like to build damages for trial. I do a lot of trial work. Um, if we bring them in the office to take a deposition, we need a conference room or private office. It's just, it's way more efficient for our employees not to have to travel everywhere. So, you know, be that as it, as it may. So the flex office space, some people are there every day, some people a couple of times a week, some people a couple of times a month, but it allows everybody to not pay a shit ton for the stuff that you're not actually using. Um, so for the SEO thing, like when you're talking about, you know, Google and the geographic stuff that you have to do. So premier members, for instance, will be part of that geographic location. So they'll be able to get that stamp. Right. So there's other ways to do it by maybe breaking up because, you know, we own most of the buildings that we're going into a couple that we lease, but it allows us to be creative in some of the things. And then some members also have their own separate space outside of Justice HQ. Like I have my own office here in Hermosa Beach uh, by the beach, which just has a bunch of lockers and surfboards in it. But, you know, we still take we do work there. Um, but that, again, gives me that that Google stamp that you need to be able to compete in the SEO market. And as you said before, you know, you wish you were a lawyer well, in California, you can ethically fee split. And I always thought, you know, wouldn't it be interesting to create a funnel for lawyers where they can do, pick up a ton of work, SEO, whatever it may be, which is probably the most cost-effective thing to do, and then funnel it into the Justice HQ case exchange, negotiate the best deal for the market, get it to a case specialist, get a percentage of your fee, and you just created a funnel because our exchange can spin the data, doesn't depend on where the data is coming from. Like, doesn't matter what your lead capture is, lead doc or whatever it may be, it'll be able to sort into the membership. So now you have this scaling members of super specialists. And if you have somebody creating that front end concierge service funnel to go directly into it, now you're taking a percentage of each fee, giving the client the best result, you're getting the best lawyer, cutting the overhead massively, everybody wins. So the whole thought process of when we created all of those funnels early on, to compete if these things happen in Arizona, Utah, happened in Washington back in the day, if paraprofessionals could come in or big tech can come in, well, we've already solved the problem of having the elite lawyers, the stuff you need to license for to be able to, to push forward. So that's it in a huge, huge, man, I love talking about this stuff, Chris. And you can see all the extra places you can go, like, you know, just with the vendor relationships, the ability to have people one click or have on a virtual chat room, their investigator, their deposition company, like the person setting up their website, every, you can run a fucking empire from the Maldives if you wanted to. Right. And you're, that's it. That's the dream. Yeah. I mean, that's my dream. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's the, you know, the learn by others mistakes. So you've got all these vetted vendors that you've had success with. So you, there's no opportunity cost missed where you can invest your money. So that saves a lot of time there. Let's talk about, you know, some of the, you know, technologies really ramped up because of COVID. Let's talk about some of the the best apps, technologies that help you with this. Oh, man, there's so many ones that like, I mean, the good thing about what I call a great pause is 
for Pete, folks like me who was running around trying a lot of cases in courtroom to courtroom, it allowed me to sit back and actually invest time into looking at different technology solutions, educating myself on what's the best fit for XYZ. So since that happened, I become a huge believer in CRMs, right? Being able to collect all of your data meaningfully, to have a purpose with who your market is, who you're advertising to. And it's a different fit for different folks. I'm a big fan of case management platforms because everything's integrated in the same space. There's a you know there's an e-discovery company called Esquire Tech that I'm a big, big believer in. Uh, there's just all these things and they're all starting to integrate because you know I make introductions to one another. There's one that's um, oh shit, what is it called? It's called Cloud Something. Uh, but whatever, I found a, cl- a cloud company that allows you to. They have an algorithm that it predicts when you're actually using cloud storage. Um, cloud computing and allows you to jump back and forth between Amazon or Google, whomever. So you're actually only paying for the time that you're using. So it's taking people's costs from like, if you're paying, I mean, these big companies, they have a lot of storage on there, hundred thousand a month, they're paying five to 10,000 a month. I mean, that is a huge, like these things are the AI technology. And there's another one called stacks, which allows, I mean, it's crazy what we've been able to do. Like I can take a, get a case file because I get a ton of cases from other lawyers. It's supposed to where my business comes from they can give me the case as a matter of the format. I can drop in our algorithm and then it'll shoot me out. The medical summary is how I like to see them. The, the data I like to see the medical records, the property damage photos, like all the stuff that I want to see, you know, like insurance limits, negotiations, demands. It can, the AIs learn how to pull that stuff out there. So I can review cases very, very fastly, but quickly that are coming into our office. Um, God, there's just so much shit out there. And the more that I, yeah. it's like case tech. Case text is awesome. Like there's all kind of just these different that allows people, lawyers, the solos that are to just absolutely compete. So it's going to be great. It's fantastic. And we're, we're have a uh, Pratik Shaw on later today and we're excited to speak with him about some of the other tech. And I imagine too, just, uh, I want to jump into other growth strategies in a moment, but I'm really interested in what you're doing because I think this is super smart. The, I would imagine having these individuals too, just the, so a lot of times people talk about like, how are we going to make more money? And they think, okay, we need more leads, right? Well, it's not just necessarily more leads. You can increase the amount that you earn per case, or the big one that a lot of people don't talk about is your win rate percentage or, or your conversions, right? So you have these individuals and you get a referral opportunity. that's not right for you it's probably a significantly higher percentage chance that they're going to land the referral than mm-hmm. passing it to some other. That's it. I mean, I, I am the biggest fan of outsourcing stuff and getting a percentage of that lead. You should be able to monetize every single thing that comes through your door. Like I tell all these young lawyers that are starting up, like, what should I do? How should I generate business? Cause I mentor a shit ton of young lawyers and people in law school. And I tell them, you are sitting on a probably mountain referral sources just by being quote unquote general counsel, going back to that, we talked having that lawyer's card in my wallet. I didn't know what he did, but if I called him, he would have been my general counsel to tell you, well, you got to talk to this person or you got to, you idiot, you were drinking and driving around when you're 17, go talk to this lawyer, right? So that's what you have to be able to do. And that's why I think these systems are so important because like that's what we build just say shooting exchanges. If I get an employment case, if I get a civil rights case, I can shift it into there. There's a specialist in that space. I can still negotiate and monetize what I built that brand, that 
that goodwill of business to be able to get that lead to capture that lead. And you should be able to monetize every single one of those. So you're right, you got to scale the quality and the monetization of each one of those. So now my firm, we only take cases that are worth a million plus that are in our wheelhouse, everything else we're outsourcing. That's just the way that our firm is built. That's the only thing that's worth our time. So, you know, I think you're 100% right. It's the scalability of the the specialized profitization where you're not doing as much of the work as you have to and doing the only shit that you want to do that you're great at, but making a percentage off of all of it. That's incredible. And it's very intriguing and it's different. So it's it's really refreshing to hear. It's just kind of a different strategy. You know, I kind of want to, I kind of want to pivot just a little bit because I want to talk about a couple other things that I think you guys are doing really great. And, and first, I just popped in my head. So you have that saying, before we jump into the pivot, you have that saying, it's like any any case, any practice, any location, I don't know the exact tagline. I thought that was super smart. Any case, yeah. any courtroom, any time. We actually copyright, we copyrighted that and the justice team. That's trademarked. I mean, it's crazy, but it is. Nice. When I was doing my research from an outside observer, I was thinking, well, wait, you guys really niche into PI and now it makes sense because you have these resources that you can truly, truly do that. Yep. And then, I mean, we were known, I was known as very young lawyers trying a lot of cases early. So I was at the time, I think I was the youngest person inducted to the Los Angeles abode, American Board of Trial Advocates, right? Because you have to have certain qualifications, you have to try a bunch of cases and have certain results and do it with a civil thing. So I was like 34 when I got in and it's very young, but I preached people getting in there early. I have a, a guy that was, tried two cases while he was in law school. So I want him to be the youngest beat us all. But then Sevi Fisher, a partner in my office, who made partner, Sevi got it at 32. And then Grace in her partner office just got it at 34. So we just went on this Aboda trip um, in Hawaii. And it's we're we're like the, a generation younger than anybody, at least. Like most everybody's in their 60s, 70s, and some in their 80s. And there's us guys in our 30s. I'm 41, by far the youngest, the youngest folks there. But we had that mentality. Like I just never saw the value that what the insurance company was offering was the fair market value for what the injury, what the loss was. Again, going back to what happened to my uncle. I see, dude, you don't, people aren't just, you know, they get this surgery, paralyzed. This is the way that it is. No, dude, like you got to tell the story. This is, this is affecting you for generations. So I made a point of trying a lot of spine injury cases. That's my niche fusion disectomy to paraplegia quadriplegia because i've seen it it's it's real for me i can get up there and explain to the jury this is what's going to happen in the future and this is why i'm asking you for 10 million dollars for a fusion alone so i reset the barometer early on for trying these spine injury cases and that's the niche that we're known for doing and still getting huge results and i've taught this to all of our lawyers so all of the lawyers now in our office try we do them in teams i teach the young ones how to try cases this is our specialty. We're going to go and try these cases. We get the biggest verdicts in the country on these specialized things. But we get a ton of referrals just from doing that. But at any case, any courtroom, any time was the moniker we had early back on because we were just, we get in there and try anything. And now the moniker's happening at Justice HQ where all these young solos are like, dude, I just want to, I want reps. I'll get in there. They'll try anything, like anywhere. And it's fascinating to watch on our exchange and our message boards when someone's like, hey, I have trial coming up in two weeks. Who wants to do it with me? You'd have 30 people pinging just to do it for free, just to get the, the reps in and just to go in there and swing. It's amazing. It's so refreshing because I would love this product as a, a young lawyer. I didn't have time to go. How am I going to go try a case? How can I let a client go in and do that for, for me? How am I going to be able to get these reps? Solve that solution. So.
Bob and his team are amazing marketers. From 15-second Instagram stories to hour-length podcasts and videos, everything they make is entertaining, eye-catching, and modern. One project that particularly stands out to me is the podcast Bourbon and Proof, where Bob catches up with legal professionals over whiskey. I asked Bob to explain his thought process behind his marketing strategy and how he came up with Bourbon and Proof. Yeah, dude, so we always want to do stuff that I thought was personally fun or things that I like to do. And I always hated that old stuffy, everything about lawyers, how they're perceived. And, you know, we were at our firm, we were on Instagram very early doing just funny shit. And it was, I always believed that you want lawyers you want to hang out with or any professional. Look, we're in a sales and marketing business. Like you want to see somebody you're, you're, you're like, you want to be around. And I like... <laughs> I like hanging out with my family, drinking a lot of bourbon, uh, watching sports and talking shit. So that's a lot of what I do. So bourbon approved, Teresa Deep, who's been my marketing director forever, then started Outlier Creative, who's, I mean, she's a co-founder, Just HQ. She's one of the brightest people on the planet. She's like, let's just do, because we do around podcasts, Justine podcast. There's a group of us. We have like a bartender. People are drinking. We're talking about different topics. It's fun. It's light. It has a huge following. And she's like, we should do one where it's more of like a one-on-one masterclass. And you guys just have to drink a lot and just talk. I'm like, I'm game. Let's set up and do this. So we're trying to think of like the name. We're actually thinking of the working title. We were shooting the first one. And after a few drinks, I was like, I was like, how about bourbon approved? And we're like, oh my God, that's amazing. I'll never we're like screaming. That's, that's a great name. It's a great name. So wasn't taking any worry. We grabbed it. And then yeah, the concept too is I just bring in people that are successful at law and life and different their journeys are different. And it's over a series of like, we ended up doing three bottles each. It was like three drinks each, which ended up being six drinks. It, it ends up being a lot because I have a big, you have to drink in my opinion, you have to finish it no matter if it's terrible or whatever. But it, the conversation gets funnier and funnier and funnier. And I made the mistake. I tried to shoot four in one day. <laughs> my number four, it's unintelligible. And like, they're like, we just have to cut this up as like a highlight reel. Cause I don't remember shooting it, but I mean, I remember <laughs> eating pizza when I got home and falling asleep and wake up the next morning. Like, dude, I don't remember the last episode, but uh, yeah, dude, that's it. It's fun. And now we want to take, let's talk to my marketing director. There's so much, I've noticed the love for, for bourbon and laughing is very prevalent amongst lawyers. So I wanted to start a, like a bourbon approved conference, which is just about branding and mentorship and personal relationships and do it on the bourbon trail. Um, so we're, I'm actually trying to coordinating, coordinating that now. Um, I just think it'd be very fun to have different groups go to different distilleries, be on different shuttles with different vendors that are specialists in their spaces with different lawyers specialists in theirs and just have that intimate drive there, drink and have fun, drive there, go to the next one and then have you know the legal conference that way. So again, think of new fucking fun shit. New fun shit. A lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. So it's it's making me want to go to the end of each of those episodes in the three seasons. Like Dude. Towards the three-quarter. <laughs> the one that just came out, Michelle Russo, the third one, I was, that was my, I think that was my second of the day. And we started shooting early so you could start to see me go downhill a little bit. Um, but the, the I shot one after that with a guy named Mauro Fiore. And they had to stop. I remember they had to stop filming so many times because the production crew was laughing so hard at us like we were almost falling over because he was drinking in the green room the whole time and he was just telling these outrageous stories and i remember i was like falling out of my chair so you know the production quality is so good it's 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 entertaining and it's you know it's not just about the law it's there's personality there's personal stuff you know 
and these so these there's been a lot of tv producers that have approached me and my family because at our firm it's my twin brother and i run the practice we're lawyers our little brother's a partner there he's a lawyer both my sisters run justice hq my one sister's the ceo the other one's the membership director her membership director's husband is the operations director my dad works at the firm my mom and dad are divorced but my mom works at the firm my dad's new wife works at the firm my dad's wife's daughter works at the firm so and then we have the just hq stuff and all the stuff that's going on and so we've all been produced you know a lot of producers have reached out to us and i never thought that look i always thought there should be a channel on apple tv that was just like justice hq or law or whatever like that and just said all these other type of shows that are lawyers that they're funny big personalities why not produce the stuff your own like we do with bourbon approve or or your show or you know justine podcast and have it all live within that channel and just streaming for people young lawyers to be inspired or law students to learn or just to laugh and have fun. Um, a lot of people were, you know, watch a lot of these legal shows. I mean, how, how fucking long has Law and Order been on or all their spinoffs, right? right. Um, but to do it for free for the consumer to get in to watch it. So yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah, and you you mentioned, so I've only got a couple questions. So you, you have this really good tagline, above all else, the story of the Simon Law Group is a story about family. And, you know, I wasn't gonna ask like the, the boring questions of, you know, uh, why did you do this? And I, I wanted to ask like a really direct question, you know, if a family member isn't performing, how does that conversation go? How do you fire somebody in the family? You know, how does well, that go? We come from a very working class family and there is the work ethic is just insane. Like we outwork anybody. I mean, but it's fun. We work, you know, in our specialty, our time, our hours. I don't think it would ever reach, nobody would ever want to be fired or whatever. I mean, we are just such a very close, like-minded family that if, I mean, I've been reeled in many times, like my brothers and sisters will yell at me because I move at a breakneck speed. I have a big vision. I demand a lot of things of people because I want to move. I want to go. I want to do it quickly. I want to be the first of the market to do X, Y, Z. Um, and then I have, you know, groups of time. Like I've been in a trial for six weeks. I'm, that's all I can concentrate on. So when I get out of there, it's like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. So I get yelled at sometimes or, you know, um, but it's like those old things when you're growing up with your siblings and one of five that I used to fist fight my brothers. And then we would be best friends right after that same mentality. Like we'd yell at each other and then it's, Oh, it's fine. I mean, who cares, but we all have thick skin and it's all good like that. So I don't think whatever happened, you know, we, and then again, if, if my dad divorced his new wife, maybe it's a different conversation because we would likely choose her over him. <laughs> That's the big joke at big Bob. He's my best friend, but yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. Everyone says, oh, like our, our, our company, we treat everyone like family, but no, like yours is family. Well, and that's the thing. The other thing that drives me constantly is I want all of our family to be, everybody has as much success as others. So I always feel like I always have to be bigger, stronger, better, faster in order to provide through Justice HQ or through the Simon Law Group, all these opportunities for our family so that we can have, my dad always said the most valuable thing in life is free time stress-free from finances with your family. If you can figure out how to do that and do that all the time, that's how you win in life. So I've always angled to work for myself to be able to be on when you're away with the kids, you can maximize that time. I always have this tagline, never not working because I'll still take that call. I'll still try to, there's still shit going on, but you can still maximize the time with your family and not be stressed out about the financial side of it. So yeah, dude, I always feel like there's, I don't think I'll ever stop 
I could retire right now comfortably if I wanted to. That's just not what's in my DNA and not the mission that I think that I was put here to do. Sounds altruistic, I know, but that's how I feel. (laughs) I love the motivation. I love the vision. I want to talk about just a couple final questions here. I want to talk about the vision a little bit. So in the last uh, Bourbon and Proof, you mentioned you own a gaming company. You play D&D. I used to play D&D back in the day. Nice. Relate. Uh, You know, so so talk about the vision, like your other entrepreneurship things. Um, I also, you know, I was thinking, oh, okay, so you own some of the buildings. You could maybe have the real estate company leasing to the Justice HQ. And now you got this gaming company. How does it all fit together for the big vision? I was just trying to do projects and things that I love doing as a kid and make money doing them. I love hanging out with people. I love drinking. Let's create something like that. I love video games. I love Dungeons and Dragons. Let's bring this back so we can play with our friends and do things like we did when we had fun. Uh, my wife owns a skincare and supplement company called KO. That stuff is exploding. It's just every day is a little different. People always ask me, what's your day look like or your week? It's all completely different. Like today we're doing this early, 6 a.m. That's the only time to fit. I have kids stuff in the morning until I get them off to school. Then nine o'clock, I got a legislative meeting for California for a lot of the initiatives we're trying to get through. Then I got a meeting with a VC at 11. And then I got to go do a shoot for a a company called Steno, a big believer in stuff that they're doing. Um, They started as a, a tech company doing depositions and they're just... They defer a lot of their payments, again, help solos and other lawyers be able to compete whatever space. So doing a shoot with them. And then I have a meeting after that. And I get to pick up my kid from school and then be dad for a few hours. And then at night, um, I'm very close to getting admitted into Texas bar. So there's a few other things that I have to do. So that's what'll be my day. So it's a long day, but that's what today is. And tomorrow is completely different. I might be working on my wife's company tomorrow and I might be doing stuff with a gaming company. We're in the like testing phase right now, the gameplay and stuff. So very interesting time. And then I usually come into it more whenever it's marketing time or let's figure out how we're going to get these channels or if we need more funding, what it's going to look like. Because I we've self-funded every single one of our projects. We've never had to use the VC. We've used our own money, never had to take a line of credit. And I'm trying very hard not to do that with any of these companies, but it comes a time where it, it, it I think you have to do it because your time is as scalable as you want it can be, but it's not absolute. It's not infinite. So that's where we are. Yeah. And it sounds like we could probably do another episode about delegation and hiring, you know, but, you know, closing up here on, on uh, one final question, Bob, this, this has been fantastic. Uh, it, it's been intriguing. And I think Justice HQ is just super smart. Uh, you know, Bob, where can people go to connect with you and learn more? Uh, easy. So I, if you're watching, it's the text me platform, 310-564-8981. Emails Robert at justiceteam.com. My handle Instagram is at Planet Fun Bob. And that's probably the best way to reach me because I'm addicted to that thing. I love interacting with folks. So those are the three easiest ways to do it. Actually, email is now becoming archaic, in my opinion. You know this doing what you do. It's a lot of SMS and DMs is kind of the future of where it's going to go until we microchip our heads. Bob's abilities to juggle so many different projects with such incredible results is super impressive. Between Simon Law Group, Justice HQ, the podcast, and everything else he has going on, it's obvious that he works crazy hard, but clearly he has a lot of fun doing it and it's created a ton of success for him. I'd like to thank Bob Simon from Justice HQ for sharing his story with us. And I hope you gained some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you like this episode, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from our listeners. I'll catch you on next week's PIM with another incredible guest and all the strategies you need to take your personal injury practice to the next level.